added time is supported by Fitbit. Get real-time insights on you and your world with the Fitbit Versa 2, the all-new premium smartwatch with Amazon Alexa built in, your personalised sleep score and a 5-plus day battery life. And it's Thursday morning, so we have an extra out of time podcast. Uh, and the team has been named for the weekend, Pat. It has, with a few surprises. A few surprises. None of them a surprise to uh, our man in Japan, though. Uh, Gavin Komsky is with us. How are you, Gav? Morning, men. I'm on the street in Hamamatsu, so if you hear a dump truck or something going by, I apologise. Don't apologise, Gav. This is the kind of local flavour that we need. Otherwise, people think we're uh, treating the Rugby World Cup like the moon landing and, and you're doing it off the telly from from your lavish apartment in South Dublin. Oh, I'm, I'm most definitely in Japan, down here, <laughs> Hamamatsu. There's no... Um, the World Cup is, hasn't really landed here, which is kind of a cool thing. It's all, there's no English and nobody can speak English and it's kind of... It's a cool little place, though. Are you seriously telling me nobody's stopping asking you for a selfie? No, 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 none of that. God almighty. Don't think I'm very popular in Japan anymore anyway, but not to worry. And yet you're so popular in Ireland. Uh, tell me, uh, you were with uh, Joe and the lads this morning. Uh, give us the team and all that sort of carry on. Okay, yeah. Well, first thing this morning, two press conferences today. Nip down across, uh, out into the middle of the countryside where the Irish team are camped in there. They've got some, they're in some little retreat. We're down at their training pitch. Um, the news, which was kind of floating around, was that Jack Carty is going to start at 10. Carberry's on the bench. Um, the, it was a bit of a Joe Schmidt masterclass today. He kind of, he almost convinced everyone that this was, this is a good thing, that Sexton's not involved. When we know he's injured, we know he's injured in the middle of a World Cup. But, um, and the, it, it's kind of strange that you think you'd go with Carberry because he's world class, but he did have a minor procedure a month ago. So Carberry only makes it to the bench. Carty gets picked, gets rewarded for his form. And they turned around and they told him on Tuesday. And he, this is the thing that Schmidt used to always do, and he's really gone back to it at the World Cup. You don't get on the training pitch on Tuesday. You don't get on the team on the mm. weekend. And um, that's the way it's going to roll for the tournament now. It has to be done. And Sexton hasn't trained all week because of his injury. Uh, also, there was a late change where it was going to be Jack Conan at eight with CJ Stander at six. And Peter Omani, who failed the HIA uh, on the weekend, but actually got cleared since by the medics, uh, was going to not be in the team. But Jack Conan hurt his foot. So Omani comes in at six. Stander stays at eight. And uh, otherwise, it's a pretty well-stacked pack. Uh, Chris Farrell is, holds on again. Bundy Aki failed the HIA, but has been cleared of concussion, but is not included. Chris Farrell gets his go at 12. Rob Carney comes back. He Durrells comes back. Uh, I think it's a team that's going to be able to handle Japan. But... You never know. Gavin, we'll, we'll come back to Jack Carty in a second. But Johnny Sexton, the World Player of the Year, the guy who directs traffic for us to a large degree, and he's having severe injury problems during a World Cup. How worried should we be? Um, I, don't, I don't think we should be overly worried just yet. Like There's a couple of little rumours going around which I just don't buy into. Not yet. I just need something more solid. They... Um, Schmidt, we asked him and we asked him afterwards as well. Um, Schmidt was saying that, uh, look, this is a chance. They were thinking about putting him on the bench and break glass in case of emergency situation, but they know that Carberry can do that for him and can change up a game. He's pretty confident that they're going to get him, they're going to run him uh, against Russia next Thursday, which does come very quick, you know what I mean? It's a real quick flip around. 
So I don't think it's a severe injury. I think it's a tie injury. But how many little niggles? Like the, the reason why he didn't play well in Six Nations was not a loss of form. It was because he was injured. Um, that's why he stank the joint out again in Wales against in Cardiff against Wales. Um, like when he is primed, he's as good as he's always going to be. So if you don't see him in the team against Russia, I'd start really ringing the alarm bell. For Carty, this is this is some rise, isn't it? You know where, like where, where was he a year ago? Uh, a year ago, he was fourth, arguably fifth choice mm. uh, in the peck in order to play rugby for Ireland. Now, in a World Cup against the hosts mm. in the second game of the pool stages, he's going to be wearing number ten. He, this is his second start for Ireland. Okay, this is his ninth cap. It's all come uh, this year. He surpassed Ross Byrne. Like I nipped across town then to um, or back into town to Jamie Joseph and the uh, Japan press conference. And they expressed surprise. They were like, look, we're not, we know that they're, Ireland are a world-class team. And he said all the right things. Mm. But at the end of it, he goes, yeah, look, we're, we are surprised that uh, Sexton's not in the mix. And we're going to target Jack Carty. We're going to go seek what we can do. Mm. I really think, honestly, that the Japanese are looking at the Scotland game as their chance to get to a World Cup quarterfinal. Mm. I don't think, they're going to give this a go. They're going to have a free belt at this. Um, their, their captain, Michael Leach, is on the bench. And um, they're missing their kind of top winger. He's injured. I think they're kind of they're trying to stack everything up. To ca- hopefully, the Samoans will take something out of the Scots in the next few days. And I think they're the whole thing about them. I had a great chat for an interview for the paper tomorrow with Luke Thompson, their second row, who lived in Ireland for for a year, twenty years ago, and um, played rugby with Bob Casey and Leo Cullen all in Black Rock. I had a chat with him, and he was like, yeah, "He's playing like he's thirty eight, and he, he's playing and." Uh, like he's like they're all there look we are we're going to give it everything um, we're going to have a right all cut off them but uh, I think they're all they, they really they see their quarterfinals they're kind of their last 16 game is the last game of the pools against Scotland it's the do or die it'll be the do or die for Scotland as well so uh, I, I'm, I'm very even though Jack Carty's there and any other time when you're no Carberry you're no Sexton and you see Jack Carty coming in but every time Jack Carty's come in and played he has been pretty slick, you know what I mean? Mm. Really confident. See that little toe poke he did to yeah. put Chris Farrell into space? I think actually Schmidt's completely brainwashed me and I now believe that uh, <laughs> that it's it's going to be okay, you know, because <laughs> I, I think he, it was, he was very convincing today. And look, in fairness to Jack Carty, he came out and talked. Jerry has an interview with him in the paper tomorrow. He came out and he talked and he's a real cool lad. He's a mm. guy who's been around the block for a while and he understands what's happening. You know what I mean? When you're 27 years old and you all of a sudden get picked for your country, having kind of toiled away for 10 years and never been really highly rated because he was down in Connacht, he kind of, you know, he kind of gets it. Um, and he's not, he's not going to, he's not going to like freeze on the big stage. The one thing that r- strikes me anytime I see him, and, and of course there's been limited minutes all, all the way, uh, he's, he is such a lovely ball player. You can see that, that he, that he was very good at those other sports. Like, he was a very, very good soccer player and a, and a good guy player as well in his youth. Like, you can see that he has those ball skills. Yeah, he said an interesting thing um, um, uh, for, for tomorrow's paper where he was there going almost playing Gaelic football and the style of kicking and all. Kind of wasn't that, it kind of had a bad effect on him as rugby, you know what right. I mean? Where you have to kind of change it. It's too loose or whatever, mm. you know? So, uh, but remember that kick in the warm-ups there last couple of weeks ago where he just, he had an advantage and he yes. hit him with the outside of his boot yeah. for, I think it was for Ring Rose on the far side. Against Wales. He right? has, yeah, he, yeah he's never going to die wondering this guy, mm. you know. Um, and he's done enough of that line kicking and that structural stuff that uh, has um, Schmidt trusting him. Basically, Schmidt 
promoted them. We got Ross Byrne, who like kind of is like a, a very similar version of Johnny Sexton. He's not not here, you know. But um, I, I think more than anything else, you're not worried because you look at the pack mm. and Conor Murray, who was up chatting to us today. It was uh, is back. He's definitely back in his form. And it was somebody put a question to him in the presser. He was like, "Connor, uh, your performance last week or the other day there was really the Connor Murray of old and all that." And uh, you know, considering how you kind of had a difficult year in the last last year with your form, and he just sat there looking at it, going, "Jesus, you love to build me up, and you love <laughs> to knock me down." Like when I when, when he go, he was like, "Look, when a scrum half's slightly off the beat." Uh, he gets slaughtered, and when a scrum half's on the money, you just keep you building him up to be the greatest player of all time. He goes, "I'm I'm something in the middle." Like, and he was just laughing. He goes, "You lads never. You, you always go one way or the other." Like, he, and he was there. I've always been really close. I've just had a few niggles, and now I'm back on the money. Um, he is as well. He's gonna like. So I don't think it'll be about Jack Carty. I think it'll be the pack and Conor Murray just doing their thing. I think I, well, one Chris Farrell is gonna have a. I think he'll nail down. He'll nail down the twelve jersey in this game. Yeah, actually, the game on Saturday, Gavin, Japan's style of play you'd expect to be vaguely similar to Ireland's, wouldn't you? There, would it be fair to say that there'll be the the impacts are what's going to decide this game? That's exactly what Tony Brown, their their attack coach, who is like a ten years younger than Joe Schmidt and kind of rated as the same kind of thing, said. He goes, "We play very similar. It's we just want to hoard the ball. We want to keep the letter away from the other team and then play phase, phase, phase. Where the other team out." And then when you get into the scoring area, you take three, take five points, take whatever. The thing is, the Ireland pack are bigger and stronger and should just not let them let Japan have the ball. Um, there is going to be something in them. They've, they, again, like I said, Brown is brilliantly, um, he's a brilliant coach. And Luke Thompson was even saying it in the presser as well, that uh, we've got a couple of surprises up our sleeves for Ireland. But uh, I just don't think Ireland will let them. Well, especially, like it is, you know, O'Mahony aside is the sort of first choice pack really, isn't it? Um, yeah, well, look, Amani's in, so like it is the first. Oh, so Amani is in, of course. Now, yeah, yeah instead of yeah, 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 Amani's yeah, yeah. at six. Yeah, yeah. so um, I'm surprised. Uh, there is an issue with with, with hookers with uh, Scandal and Cronin not being. They've just had niggles, and that's why Roy Best played eighty minutes the last day. It wasn't some let's play it. Let's just play a thirty-seven-year-old for his one hundred and sixteen yeah. cap for eighty minutes. It was because the other hookers weren't fit. Best starts again. Uh, and it's, I'm, you're a bit worried when you see Best and Furlong starting again because it should be Cronin or should be Scannell. But I mm. think Ireland are, Ireland need continuity. They're still a bit worried about the line They still want to get as much time in for of Ian Henderson, Rory Best, James Ryan, all doing their thing, all doing it there, getting, getting a cohesive set piece for the road ahead. Because if that line not in good nick come the quarterfinals against those freakish bucks, you don't win the game. You, don't even come, you can't even get into the game if you don't have perfect set piece. So they're they're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul there a bit, flogging, flogging guys that probably need to be rested, but doing it with an eye to the big picture. You know? uh, give us uh, your impressions of Japan, Gav. We'll, uh, we'll move on from the game. Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm beginning to really enjoy it now. I'm in Hamamatsu now. I stay downtown all the time because I'm fairly convinced my hotel's uh, haunted. Um, it's like got about a thousand rooms and there's just nobody in it at night. It's like this ghost town. Keith Duggan was staying with us for a few days and he just left. He went off to Kobe. I don't know if he went missing. But I was gone. just going to say, did he disappear into a wardrobe and not not come back? Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it's him on the WhatsApp, but I think he's coming back. <laughs> to see, um, the there's been some. Yeah, Yokohama was fantastic, and I'm going back there just before the quarters. Um, and Tokyo is just like I've people are. I can see that lots of people are going to start to come now. People are getting itchy feet and they're booking flights for the quarters. And I'm just going to. I've turned around to everyone and say. 
stay in a cheap and cheap and cheerful hotel down around Shinjuku. It's on the train that brings you straight to the stadium. There's Golden Guy. There's all these little places to party. Like Tokyo is just off the charts. If you once you get a little bit used to it, it there's nothing like it in the world, and it's brilliant. All the other places like here, Hamamatsu is kind of a bit more chilled. There's a hit three bars and cafes. Uh, and supposedly next, I'm doubling I'm doubling back to Tokyo just to cover um, Wales, Australia. But then we're down to Kobe. I mean, you know, Kobe Beach is supposed to be a seafront area. It's supposed to be beautiful. But, like, the Ireland team go further, further south. And the weather just, like, it's really hot here today. The weather just gets better. Um, and then it down to Fukutuawa for the Samoa game. I said that wrong. But um, the, uh, it's supposed to... <laughs> you, had me, you had me fooled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I'm up to, like, five Japanese words now at this stage. But um, it's pretty special down there. But, I, again, I think... Um, that's where it gets real quiet for Ireland and for the, the kind of traveling press pack. I think the place to be is Tokyo because it's games, 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 you know. That's what I'm going to be, um, like, uh, you'll be getting a lot of copy from Keith Dogan out of, uh, he's tracking England at the moment, but uh, he'll be back up in Tokyo for the big stuff and I okay. think I'll, I'll join him for a game or two. Do you want to tell people about um, the, the guy who decided to take on the cops in the street? Yeah, so myself and um, Rory O'Connor. The thing is, you, we went off to Toyota City the other day there, which used to be called Komoro, um, but it was changed because the Tokyo Motor Corporation Company um, in 1959, they literally, it's like changing Dublin to Guinness City or something, you know? <laughs> uh, but the two of us were the two of us were real itch, itchy to get away from the Ireland camp and go cover some games. So we went up to Wales, Georgia, in case it was the shock of the round. It wasn't. That was Uruguay beating Fiji. and uh, But up there... Uh, Afterwards, I was kind of walking through town, and one thing you haven't seen, everything is so regimented and polite and perfect in Japan. And that night, the police came down, and they were kind of, they didn't need to, like, it was Welsh people, there's about 50 or 60 who didn't go back to Nagoya, to the main city. They were all kind of lingering around the main drag in Toyota. And they're outside this British bar called Boobies, and there's about 50, 60 <laughs> of them. And most, Hang yeah. on, called what? <laughs> yeah, it's called Boobies British Bar, and we said we said, well, we're not going to talk rugby. I was there with a couple of English journalists, I know. We said we're not going to chat about rugby, so let's get. You can get like in Japan, you can just get a couple of cans in the in the shop and sit on the bench across on, anywhere on the street, and it's totally acceptable. So we got like a small little few baby cans, and we were just sitting there watching the Welsh, and the Welsh weren't even singing that much. They weren't making much noise, but I presume the high rise apartments start, started complaining. So. These police cars, it was Keystone Cops now, they came down and they, they parked up their cars and they ran over these small little, um, like smaller than by Japanese standards, uh, policemen, went into Steady the Welsh crowd. They, but they went into the Welsh crowd who were um, really kind of peaceful, really chilled. Everyone's kind of just kind of in the glow of like uh, the Rob Handy, Howley scandal being put to bed and winning their first game. And they were kind of friends and family because the team hotel was around the corner. You could get that vibe. The people were either friends or family of the team or new to the team. And the Japanese police instantly just started hurting them and screaming at them and moving them on because it was a Monday. It was a Monday night on a main, but it was a main, it was a World Cup match had just been on. It was the main strip in a, in a city, you know. And they were hassling them and herding them out of the way. And this drunk Japanese guy was in the middle of the street fighting his mates and he slammed into the police car and they didn't arrest him. And it was only when he headbutted one of the policemen <laughs> after a back and forth, a back and forth that went on for about 15 minutes. Because we were sitting there, it was right in front of us. <laughs> And they would not, they were too busy hassling the Welsh fans who didn't, who were just minding their own business, who did nothing wrong. And then finally, uh, this guy, when he kind of baseball pitched his shoe, he had no pants on either, by the way. And uh, 
I swear to God. It's a vital I, detail I, I have, there. You're kind of burying the lead here, Gavin. Yeah, so, I have witnesses there with me. Like, this happened, yeah. But he baseball pitched his shoe into the police car, the third police car's windscreen. And they still didn't, they still didn't arrest him after this. I was like, this is insane. So eventually they kind of corralled him and they were all around him. And uh, he stuck the head on one of them. So they went, okay, we better we better stick you into the back of the car yeah. and took him away. And I was just like, what's going on here? Do you, you know? think he himself was a cop? I, I, by what you're telling yeah. me, he was, he was McNulty. That's exactly what I thought. He was McNulty ex- from The Wire. That's, I, I said to uh, <laughs> Sarah and Rich, the two journalists who were with me, I said, he's either in the Yakuza or he is in, he's a detective in, in, the, in the police force because he was, there was nothing he could do. And like, to then, get arrested? Funny enough, yeah, and like they were so keen to, to try and wait for a Welsh person to say something wrong to, to cart them away. And all the Welsh people, which could real kind of a family group to stay quiet and kind of hit the road. But after that, like, um, and like there was just kind of, this blacked out car kept kind of doing laps of the area and kind of staring out the window at us and like the police were pretending that the car was invisible so after they arrested your man and they were they were kind of itching to do something else we were like might might call it a night (laughs) might head home (laughs) but it was it was just interesting they they just don't they didn't get you know like this is a world cup and people are celebrating there's going to be more of this like you know if people complain from the high rises because everyone has to get up at 6 a.m to work 18 hour days are you going to dampen, keep dampening the mood of the World Cup? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. There's a couple of things, like real kind of glaring things. They haven't got, like, the, the tournament officials are just having a real, just having a nightmare. With well, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Um, how has it been? It, it, it's fairly unprecedented for World Rugby themselves to come out in the first week of the tournament yeah. and have a go. Well, check it out. Like, so they came out and they said, they threw... See, they weren't specific about who was wrong. So they threw all the refs under the bus with that three-paragraph mm. statement saying, we, we must do better. Like Angus Gardner is refing the game for Ireland on the weekend. I was at Argentina, France, and Ledesma subsequently apologised for eviscerating him in the post-match. Mm. And uh, I'd say you got told to apologise. But like, I thought Gardner actually had a good game. It was just try and ref Argentina, France. Like, good luck to you, you know? <laughs> um, but they didn't... Um, yeah, so they did this. And like two hours after that... Samoa, <laughs> Samoa played Russia yeah. in a pool game. Two hours after, they said, we must do better. And Roman Poit missed two absolute cast iron red cards, three-week bans for two Samoan uh, shoulder-to-head hits on Baza Temias. Well, actually, Gav, he went, Gav, he went for, yellow, for, yellow. Yeah, for a second, because I was watching that. Like, it's not, like, like I know you used the word there, he, he missed them. It, he didn't miss them. Like, he, he watched and he watched the replays over and over again. And his decision was that the Russian fullback, because he had sort of bent his knees in, uh, as he was about to get blitzed both times, uh, saved your man, saved, saved the two guys from a yellow card, uh, from a red card and turned them into a yellow card. But, like, it looked, to my admittedly untrained eye, it looked so cast iron that this is the kind of yeah. thing that they're trying to get out of the game. Speaking of headbutts, he actually let one of them got, there was a headbutt and a punch and a little bit of a dust up in the mm. game as well. And that was handled by a warning, whatever that. I never knew there was warnings with no suspension. But if you look at those two hits, I interviewed Alain Roland, the, the former Ireland scrum mm. half, who's the head of the referees for World Rugby before the tournament. And I went, break it down for me. First of all, explain to me from the high shots how the red car goes. And those two hits, 
uh, were there was no mitigating. If you you're allowed to try and find a mitigating circumstance to go from red to yellow, but him dropping down is not a mitigating circumstance. Is the way Elaine Roland explained mm. it to me. He was like, everything that happened there, shoulder to head, the force, the damage. And Artemiev, who in fairness, him got up, but if he had said sprawled on the ground, mm. there would have been a red. That's just not right. Mm. So it's going to keep coming. Schmidt actually was asked about it, of course, this morning, and he was he went, uh, yeah. You, when I put a rocket up my players, they tend to play well, so maybe that'll work for the refs. But he made a good point. He goes, this is not about Angus Gardner on Saturday. This is about his two assistants backing him up who are refs, mm-hmm. and this is about the television match official. And it, that's the key thing. The television match officials need to get their act together because they are... Like, he, one of the TMOs talked uh, Roman Plot off the red card ledge, mm-hmm. um, and that was very interesting. Um, he gave him an out, and if you give a ref an out, they'll take it. Yes. But... Um, so, like, th- this is going to keep coming. Um, it'd be very. Th- the only thing is, that the pendulum sometimes swings the other way. You know what I mean? So now we'll, we start seeing red cards to beat the band. Reese Hodge just got himself a three-game ban uh, for his incident, where it really essentially it cost Fiji the World Cup because they haven't recovered because they went and lost. They changed their team and made a mess of the Uruguay game. So the chance for the big shock uh, of a Fiji top toppling a tier one team was robbed from them. Because the referees didn't handle it. This is the this is the the narrative. This is the conversation of the pool stages. It'll go away, but I'd say there's a big red card coming first. How big a shock then, Gavin, was Uruguay beating Fiji? Fiji uh, totally. Well, if you were sitting there watching the game after 10, 15 minutes, you went, uh, Fiji are relying on they're relying on their uh, old. We'll score four tries down the straights to get out of this, and Uruguay would just get building and building in confidence, and they got their points on the board. Actually. There was any kind of game management from the Fijians, they could have won it. They were eight points down with less than a minute to go, and they had a penalty, and they, they absolutely blew it. They either kicked the touch or took a scrum. I can't remember which, but it killed any chance of them getting two scores. What you do in that situation is you do what a sevens player does. You chip, you, you drop goal your penalty, three points, five-point game. Then you get the, you definitely have to get the kickoff back. Then they had a chance to build a score. So they blew it, but World Rugby screwed them because they had 750 kilometers to travel with a three-day turnaround. It's just, that's not going to happen to the All Black. It's not going to happen to any of the teams, the major teams against, in a game that's like, like they really just let them down. They screwed them basically like the way the Japanese got done in 2015, where they beat the Springboks and had, had like a three, four day turnover to get from Brighton to Gloucester to play Scotland, which they lost because they tired in the second half. Yeah, the rich get richer is the kind of the way it always goes. They had a chance to look after Fiji, who, were the, who should be the best team in the world. They've, everyone has a Fijian, you know what I mean, in their team. Um, there's going to be like Fijians are going to continue to light up the World Cup they're just not going to be wearing Fijian jerseys there's a really interesting that's a really interesting aspect of the World Cup Gab because the one thing that 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 the sort of general sports fan looking in from the outside says about the World Cup is well basically they're spending a month here to whittle down nine teams to eight teams for the quarterfinal what this what rugby needs is a greater spread of teams but like Fiji should be one of those teams. It should be it, like there is a rugby culture in in Fiji, and yet, as you say, because they're a small nation, because they're, they're it, the rugby just isn't given a chance to, or their their national team isn't given a chance to thrive as much as as tier one nations. Um, they're they their nose pressed against the glass. You'll uh, world rugby will defend themselves by going. We invested all this money in getting their scrum structures right, and they'll show you the lists and they'll do everything. And then you just show them the schedule straight back in their face. Fiji are the greatest rugby nation on earth. Go through all the French teams. Go through the English national team. There's a, there's a winger, Sevu Reese, 
for the All Blacks, Vimiri for France. Go to every team and the best players on the team, the guys, their strike runners are Fijian. Um, like Georgian coach, the Georgian coach after they lost to um, Wales, after they got hammered out the gate. He was like, going, look, we are a good rugby nation as well. We are building. But if you don't let us into the Six Nations or you don't even give us the option, let us talk now that the new investment of QBC might lead to relegation and promotion. But it'll be not without the IRFU fighting tooth and nail to stop it because they don't want to get relegated from their cash cow. Um, this is the thing. They're, they're always they're protecting themselves. This tier one teams like the Ireland's and the Scotland's and the Wales's world are really protecting themselves at, at, at all costs. But Georgia, Georgia, whose entire pack is on serious cash in French club rugby, uh, couldn't live at the pace of the Welsh. They just could not stay with the team, the Grand Slam champions, who really needed to perform. And it's like there's a sob story everywhere you go. They're going, we would be good if tier two, like England have never been to the, the All Blacks. Don't go over. To the Pacific Islands, they don't play them. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they play them in token games before the tournament. Like Tonga again should be the second greatest rugby nation on earth. We're humiliated by the All Blacks before the tournament, playing knocking ninety points on them and playing with fourteen men. Um, it's not sport, and that's the way it goes. Yeah, it's, it's people banging on the glass and the people inside ignoring them. Well, on that cheery note, uh, <laughs> we will leave you to your uh, hipster city and. Uh, your no doubt uh, bespoke uh, evening meal there and uh, we will chat to you on Monday yeah looking forward to it see you later lads awesome cheers Gav bye and that will do us Pat it will indeed we will say goodbye we will see everybody back here on Monday thanks to Declan and JJ behind the desk over there and uh, chat to you on Monday be good Added Time is supported by Fitbit with Amazon Alexa built in your personalised sleep score and a five-plus-day battery life. Fitbit Versa 2 takes smartwatches to the next level.